0: Hey, marriage after God friends. Thank you for your continued faithfulness and listening each and every week. Jennifer and I have often shared with you about how important prayer is in the life of a believer. It's so important, in fact, that we're told this in 1 Thessalonians. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is God's will for us to pray, and we want to inspire you to begin praying for your spouse and marriage every day. This world hates marriage, and so does our enemy. Because he knows the power that your marriage is meant to have in this world. He knows that if you and your spouse are praying and chasing boldly after God together, that the impact Christ will have in and through you will be powerful. So we need to be praying more than ever before. Our heart is to encourage you along with everyone who listens to this show to be praying for your spouses and your marriages, to be strengthened, renewed, healed, prepared, and empowered to do the ministry that God has for you to do in this world together. So, Jennifer and I would love to invite you to join the thousands of other couples in taking our 31-Day Marriage Prayer Challenge. This is a completely free and fun way to build a habit of prayer in your marriage. All you have to do to join is visit marriageprayerchallenge.com and fill out the registration form. Once you do that, you will begin to receive an email every day from us during the 31 days to not only remind you to pray for your spouse, but we'll also give you various topics and prompts to help you know what to pray for. We dare your marriage to start praying like never before. Start the challenge today at marriageprayerchallenge.com.
1: Hi, everyone. Thanks for taking a few seconds from listening to our dear friends, Jen and Aaron Smith. We love what they're sharing here at the Marriage After God podcast. I'm Angie Tolpin from the Courageous Parenting podcast, where along with my husband, Isaac, we weekly tackle relevant topics facing parents today from a biblical perspective and digging into the Word of God. Our mission is to empower and equip Christian parents to raise confident Christian kids in these unprecedented times. Enjoy listening to the rest of the Marriage After God podcast, and don't forget to check out the Courageous Parenting podcast when you're done.
0: We're Aaron and Jennifer Smith with Marriage After God.
1: Helping you cultivate an extraordinary marriage.
0: Today, we're gonna to be talking about God's calling for your marriage. Lots of people think they have a calling or don't know what their calling might be, but we believe that there's six callings that every Christian marriage has, and we're here to share them with you.
1: So Aaron, before we get started, can you just um, explain a little bit about what does it mean to have a calling, what does it mean when you hear the word, I have a calling on my marriage, like so people understand what we're saying.
0: So just growing up in the church, we've all heard this idea of our calling. And a lot of times it's our individual calling, like what's God called? I'm a missionary. Am, am I gonna be starting a church? Am I gonna be a pastor? Do, am I gonna be a worship leader? And there's all these like finite things that people might feel called to. Um, but. When it comes to our marriage, do we believe our marriage has a calling? And we believe every marriage has a specific calling. A uh, specific
1: purpose a specific that God's purpose. Going to use them
0: for. Yeah, based in their unique giftings, mm-hmm. talents, um, position in life that God wants to use in those marriages for his purposes. But, you know, that might be vague for some people. And some, some marriages might be thinking like, well, what's my purpose? Mm-hmm. So what we thought we'd do is sit down and share with you six callings that we believe every Christian marriage is called to. These are callings that God has for your marriage today. Whether you know what the specific calling is from God and you're in the ministry that God has for your marriage um, as a couple, um, these callings are for every Christian marriage. There's more than this, but we picked out the six that we we love the most and that we've kind of walked throughout in our life. Um, and so this gives you a place to start in your marriage and say, okay, God already has a calling for us. We don't have to guess or we don't have to... Um, Pretend um, we don't know or not know how to figure out where to get that calling. Mm -hmm. Um, You can actually start today and say, oh, this is, at least we know these callings Mm -hmm. that God has for us.
1: That's really cool. I'm so excited to jump in. I just want to encourage you listening. um, If you, as we go through each six, um, if you could just take evaluation of your marriage and see if you guys are already um, fulfilling these callings in your life, or if you're not, if these are areas that you're wrestling with or struggling with, then hopefully our encouragement today will help you um, step up in those areas.
0: Yeah, and you can let us know in the comments um, what areas that you think you've already been walking in, you're like, oh, and you never saw them as callings. Um, and Or you can let us know areas that you, you didn't recognize that you were, needed to be walking in. Um, let us know in the comments, we'd like to read through those. So. So let's get started, we're gonna start, we have six of them. So the first calling that every Christian marriage has is to prayer, and this could be together or separate. Um, It should eventually be together, but some of you might not be able to do that. But let me read the verse that goes with this. Philippians 4, six through seven, and it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Every marriage, every Christian marriage, has a calling to pray, and that seems easy, it seems like the easy Bible answer, but I wanna talk a little bit about this real quick from our own life, and I have a question for you. How would you say prayer has played a role in our marriage?
1: Well, I would say it was significant in saving our marriage, for sure. Um, We started out in our relationship with Praying for mm-hmm. each other and praying for the the purpose that God we had for our We prayed like marriage. every night yeah. during
0: our dating years.
1: Yep, and um, throughout our engagement yeah. and then even through our marriage. And when we hit that hard spot in our marriage, and uh, when, we, when we were contemplating divorce and just were both really isolated from each other. And broken and, and frustrated, broken, yeah. Uh, you were really adamant about... Prayer. So every night you were still praying for us, and my heart was a little bit harder towards God, and I was really frustrated, frustrated, and uh, wrestling with the issues that we were facing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you were you were faithful to prayer, and, which was hard
0: mm-hmm. um, for all the for the all the husbands watching. Um, my prayers started off very hopeful in the first few years of my marriage, and eventually got very angry and bitter um but i still prayed because i had that foundation in my heart and i was like no i this is the only way i see us getting healing and um and so i kept praying Uh, you actually got to a point where you kind of stopped praying
1: yeah we used to pray pray together every night and then slowly i just kind of faded out and listened to your prayers um still participated but didn't didn't pray as much but i will say that your faithfulness in in praying every night really helped me to um embrace God and come back to Him, to turn my heart back to Him, mm-hmm. and to trust to trust Him because I knew that you trusted Him. So that did play a big role in saving our marriage.
0: Yeah, so prayer is a little ominous um, for a lot of Christians, which it shouldn't be, but, you know, there's no classes on prayer. I know some churches probably have that, but it's not like a—we just assume like, oh, prayer is supposed to be easy to us. You know, what, what would you say are some, like— is prayer just talking to God? Is it like you have the right words and you have, you know, you, you, you bring in scripture at the right time in the prayer? Like, is there any, like, how does it look in our marriage? Like, what does prayer look like for us?
1: Well, how I've always viewed it is it's just our way of communicating with God. So it's basically opening up our hearts and just sharing what's on our what's on our hearts and what's on our minds mm-hmm. um, and sharing it with God. And, and what's really cool about what I've experienced through uh, praying with you is that, Um, not only are we um, submitting everything to God Mm -hmm. and asking for His guidance in our relationship... But every once in a while, there's a compliment in there about me when you're praying and thanking God for me. Well, when you hear and, me
0: pray for you, you actually hear my heart for you. Yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: I get to hear your heart for me, and that affirms me, and it affirms my relationship with you. Mm. So that's been a huge encouragement. Um, but, but I think that people can get really overwhelmed when they think about prayer and going to God and um, overthinking it. You know, feeling like it has to be done perfectly, and it doesn't.
0: So you're saying that the couples that are watching now could start today.
1: They can start today. They can just say,
0: okay, Lord, I don't know what I'm saying to you, but Mm -hmm. I want help or thank you. Um, And it could be as simple as that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so we encourage you. So the first calling that every Christian marriage has is to prayer. And this means together. So some of you might be married and your, your spouse, your husband, or your wife is not a believer or is where my wife was, in a place where she's kind of angry or bitter or they're angry or bitter. Um... You can still pray without them for them mm-hmm. and with them and, and over them. So don't let um, a disunity keep you from prayer because you have a unity with Christ. Mm-hmm. And, we have, and Christ as our mediator gives us direct access to the throne of God that we can actually open up our hearts and we can pray directly to God. We don't need a high priest anymore because we have Christ who is our perfect high priest. So we just want to encourage you that you can actually start praying today, whether together or individually. And start if you're doing today.
1: it, yeah. And if you're doing it individually, which is great, um, every once in a while, invite your spouse to to pray with you, or say, Hey, I'd love to pray for you. Can you give me a mm-hmm. list? Can you give me like five things that I can really focus on? Um, I know that that's super helpful.
0: And I know it'll totally bless them. Yeah. Too. Um, and I just want to bring this quote up that our pastor always says to us: Prayer isn't preparation for the battle prayer is the battle. Mm -hmm. So we don't look at prayer as like, well, that's a supplementary thing that we do for our faith, or um, it's something that we do only when it's really bad. Prayer is the battle. And we're in a spiritual warfare every day um, against our own flesh, against the enemies in the world and in the spirit. And so prayer, we need to go to battle on our knees in prayer, in praying for the things that we care about and praying for the things that we um, are concerned about. And and going to our Father and saying, Lord, we need your mind on this, we need your heart on this, we need your help on this. So prayer is the first calling that every Christian marriage has. Okay, so what's the the next calling that every marriage, every Christian marriage has?
1: Okay, so the next one is love. And um, I wanna share a scripture, but it's probably not the one you're thinking. Um, most people go straight to First Corinthians chapter 13, uh, which defines what love is, which is great. But today I'm gonna share Matthew 22, 37 through 40, which says, and he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So contrary to, you know, how culture will tell us that love is a feeling and um, love is something that we um, fall into, Fall into. God is saying that love is a command he commands us to love him, and he commands us to love our neighbor, or in this case, in regards to marriage, our spouse.
0: Yeah, and so for all the marriages out there, your calling, our calling, is to love. Not just love each other, because um, it says love your neighbor as yourself. That's the second and greatest commandment. Because my wife is my closest neighbor. I am her closest neighbor. We practice loving our neighbors by loving each other well. And then the second part of this is that as a couple, we love the Lord with all of our hearts, minds, soul, and strength. Uh, So if you're sitting out there wondering what your calling in life is, this is an amazing calling, is to love each other well and to love God.
1: Yeah, and I just want to share that um, uh, because of the way our culture is, very self-focused, especially in marriage, we can get caught up in thinking that um, I can't love you right now because you are not loving me. And that can just cause a crazy cycle to happen. I know we've experienced it before
0: yeah and so in the beginning of our marriage um, because I wasn't living up to the high expectations you had for mm-hmm. me you would just withhold all of your love yeah you would so I would get really frustrated because you I... you would tell me
1: <laughs> yeah I had all these expectations of like romantic love and I these grand gestures of you showing me love right. and i I relied on you to initiate all of that
0: and, and when you
1: didn't do it I didn't want to
0: well and you wouldn't you and you wouldn't initiate because mm-hmm. you were expecting like that's what my husband does he's mm-hmm. gonna pursue me and he's gonna he's gonna do all the loving uh and and i'm sitting over the thing, and like my, my my wife's not even pursuing me why would i give her love now we were both wrong mm-hmm. because we both were commanded to love each other um i was commanded more specifically from ephesians 5 mm-hmm. on how i'm supposed to love you but we're supposed to walk in love the way the bible tells us to right um, and so we were totally dropping the ball on that calling in our life And it's only been the last, you know, three, four years that we've been learning to actually walk in that calling for us.
1: In that command. And what
0: happens when you start walking in that calling just with each other, uh, as most areas of marriage, in a a Christian marriage, you know, we start loving each other more biblically Mm -hmm. and more authentically. And we start pursuing each other more. Mm -hmm. So what happens is we have extra in us to love others. So then we can actually, instead of you just always constantly thinking like, I'm not getting what I need, Mm -hmm. you have more than enough. And you actually have the energy, I have the energy, and the love available to be able to sit and love our other neighbors, our friends, our family. And so that's where that calling gets even wider is showing that love to the world. so
1: um, There was a turning point in our marriage where I feel like we really began to understand uh, God's command on love, but also the way that He set the example for unconditional love. Right. And I wanted you to share a little bit about um, your your vision of being with Jesus in the garden. Just a really brief...
0: So just really vision. briefly, that when we were at our, our breaking point in our marriage, um, I felt the Lord bring me a vision of Jesus being in the garden of Gethsemane before He goes to the cross. And I remember God showing me Jesus weeping, and as it were, te- um, you know, great tears of blood. And because he was so anguished over what he was about to go through. And I'm, you know, we've all heard the story, we know exactly what, what it's about, we, and we understand it. Um, but I feel like God showed me a, a new perspective on it, was, and he was saying like, because in the garden, Jesus three times said, Lord, let this cup pass for me—the cup of wrath. Essentially, what is what he's saying. He
1: knew what he was about to do, he and knew he, he knew was he was doing. He knew yeah. who he was doing it for. Yeah,
0: who was he doing it for? His bride. Mm-hmm. And so, essentially, what he was saying is, "Lord, I don't want to die for my bride because this is too painful."
1: Especially knowing that part of his bride would reject him or not—or
0: spit on him, want him, or yeah. turn away from him and he uh, he wanted instead of what he wanted in his flesh because his flesh was saying i don't want to do this his spirit submitted to the lord mm-hmm. in his will for he said not my will be done but your will be done and he did it and so he went to the cross anyway mm-hmm. for a broken and filthy bride an adulterous bride knowing that that was what the god's will for him was and that's how he was going to love us
1: so here you are already married to me you know 3 years in
0: yeah, and I feel like I had a choice, but the choice was this. Was in my flesh I was saying, "Lord, I can't do this." And God was saying, "Sure you can." No. Cuz Jesus did it.
1: Not your will, but my Not your <laughs> will,
0: but my will be done. So, God's will is that I would love my wife anyway. And if my life ne- if my wife never gave me what I feel like I deserve or what she's supposed to give me, I should be able to love her still mm-hmm. through the Holy Spirit.
1: We were in church, um it was had just gotten out, so people were scurrying all over the place and we were just standing in the middle of a sanctuary and you were crying telling me all of this and I had something in my eye yeah sure I wasn't, I wasn't crying. <laughs> but um, right there we just we committed to walking as Jesus walked in unconditional love for each other if, regardless if
0: nothing ever changed yep in our in our physical issues that we were having
1: yeah
0: and you know what changed everything our hearts, everything. <laughs> our hearts yeah, everything changed and our changed. hearts melted you know the bible calls our hearts stone and he takes our hearts of stone and he turns them into hearts of flesh and I feel like that's what he did in that moment was turn my heart from a heart of stone and your heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Yeah. That's so, the power of the calling of love in our life.
1: Exactly. And, and our obedience to this command is not relying upon what other people are doing, especially your spouse. So um, our encouragement to you guys today is to love anyways and to love unconditionally. Mm-hmm. and um, to love. To it's let, your calling. Yeah, it's your calling.
0: Yeah. So let's move on to the third calling. We have three, three more after this. So the third calling that every Christian marriage has is to forgive. Mm. This is a hard one. <laughs> I'm going to read the scriptures, Colossians 3.13. There's lots of scriptures on forgiveness. I'm not going to even read the harder ones. I'm just going to read this one. <laughs> uh, so First Corinthians, or Colossians 3.13 says this, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So just like that last command to love, forgiveness is a command. Forgiveness is not an option for the believer, especially in marriage. We don't get to choose um, we don't get to choose not to forgive. Mm-hmm. We don't get to say like, "Well, my wife wronged me so badly that I just I don't have to forgive her." Well, it's actually a command to forgive. And I always tell myself, because when, when we we're going through what we we're going through, I felt like I didn't have to forgive you. And there was a lot of things that I did that you, you could just held onto and you're like, I can't forgive I you for that. I didn't want
1: to forgive you. You yet. didn't want to
0: forgive me. <laughs> and you know what the Lord showed me, showed us? Who are we to hold forgiveness against anyone? For what God forgave me of and the patience that God had with me, how dare I withhold forgiveness from anyone? Mm. Especially my bride, who is one with me. So technically, if I withhold forgiveness from my bride, I'm withholding forgiveness for myself because she is me and I am her. And But we did this. It was so destructive. It was, not, it was not a oneness. It was complete disorder. And just think about this. The calling in your life to forgive your spouse. You have nothing else in you to withhold against your spouse that you did not do to Christ himself. Mm-hmm. That when Christ died on the cross, he forgave all sin. Just like that. The thing that he was praying that he could have the cup pass from him, he did anyway. He drank that cup, every last drop of it, the cup of of the wrath that we deserved. And so that doesn't mean we don't repent. It doesn't mean that things that happen to us don't actually hurt us, and that it doesn't take time to learn to trust again, and that it doesn't take time to figure out how to walk with each other and get back into oneness and unity. But that does not mean we get to not forgive. So if you're wondering what you're calling it is in your marriage, as a marriage, it's forgiveness towards each other and towards others. So I have a question. Has it been easy for you to forgive me?
1: <laughs> Not in the beginning. Um, there's definitely been times where forgiveness was too painful to accept in my heart.
0: I just thought of something. What, what was it that you were afraid it, it would mean if you forgave me? Remember, there was, there was something you used do to say. Do we want to
1: say what specifically we're talking about? In no. Response? Okay.
0: There was something, there was a reason you withheld forgiveness. And you were afraid of me not changing. Yeah. You were afraid of like, if you forgave me.
1: Then you would just have the freedom to do it again or.
0: Right. And so you would just, with, you would withhold that forgiveness because you, you used it as a tool to control. Well, I wanted you the, to hurt. Like I was hurting exactly and so I
1: thought if, if I withheld forgiveness then you would feel the pain of not being reconciled right.
0: so you were breaking this command in your heart because you thought that you, you had the right to mm. because of what I did but in reality we don't right yeah, we don't. Like we don't have the right to withhold forgiveness from anyone mm-hmm. um, there's another verse that's terrifying um, and we'll put it in the comments in the description below um, but it essentially says if you don't forgive
1: your father won't forgive you
0: and that is terrifying. Yeah. So this third calling for every Christian marriage is is to walk in forgiveness.
1: And to encourage you, um, what I've experienced with us is the more you practice forgiveness and your heart is motivated toward reconciliation, the easier it becomes because you have this bigger picture of what it means to forgive mm-hmm. and um, why it's so so valuable for oneness in marriage.
0: Right. So why don't we move on to the fourth calling that every Christian marriage has.
1: So the fourth one is trust. And I feel like it goes hand in hand with forgiveness because in order to trust again, you have to be able to forgive and reconcile and experience um, oneness and intimacy again. Um, But I know that for a lot of marriages, trust is a big issue and it's really hard once you've been sinned against or hurt Mm -hmm. to extend that trust and and rebuild it again.
0: Yeah, and so I would encourage one thing. is this is not a calling to just blindly trust like when i would wrong you and things that i was walking in right and i broke and i broke your trust your calling wasn't to just be like well i'm just going to trust you again your calling was to forgive me mm-hmm. and your calling was to reconcile with me mm-hmm. and to walk with me as we grow towards oneness again and mm-hmm. heal right
1: mm-hmm.
0: but what were you supposed to trust in
1: So the whole time, no matter what, I was supposed to trust God. With what? With my heart and with you, that He was working in your life and that He that He was there to help us.
0: And that was uh, that was actually hard for you because the first four and a half years of our marriage, you didn't trust God.
1: Mm -mm. No, it was definitely so. It was impossible for you to trust me.
0: (laughs) I mean, I, I didn't give her a reason to trust me. But you didn't trust God. You didn't trust me. You didn't even trust your own. I think that's why I felt so
1: lonely and I felt so, I just felt so alone in what we were facing as a couple because I felt like I wasn't connected with you and then I Mm -hmm. felt disconnected from God. So there was a lot of um, mistrust and and not having that really um, hindered my ability to experience intimacy Mm -hmm. with both of you.
0: And trusting God with your spouse puts you on the right path of the Spirit of God helping you trust again Mm -hmm. because as you see God work in your spouse as you pray Mm -hmm. and as you forgive you start seeing the transformations and you say okay Lord I can trust you Mm -hmm. I can trust my spouse with you I can trust me with you and I can trust my marriage with you and so I'm just going to walk in the things that you've asked me to because I trust you Father
1: Mm -hmm. and a foundational verse for trust and especially trusting God is Proverbs 3 5 through 6 Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. And I had to lean on this verse, especially um, in regards to our marriage, because I felt like I had all this understanding of what I should do as a wife and how I should respond to my husband. But I couldn't lean on my own understanding. Every time I was faced with this verse, I had to remind myself, I, I can't do that. I need to be able right. to trust God. And well, and
0: your understanding kept you from being able to trust me. And kept yeah. you from trusting and, God because and you're kept like, me I from just don't reconciling understand. with you because right.
1: my understanding lacked um,
0: the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Yeah. It
1: really did. It, it was re- selfish, yeah. it was very right. selfish. I was trying to preserve myself and protect myself instead of re-engaging with with you and trusting that God was going to. Well, walk and going us, to, bring into, us to a into the Word
0: of God and into prayer and actually battling for me and being my helper mm-hmm. because you are just thinking like, no, I've been hurt, so I'm mm-hmm. not going to try.
1: Yeah, there's this, um, there's this picture that I see when I think about trust in a marriage relationship, and I hope that this encourages you guys, but it's this idea of all the the walls in a person's heart that we've built up over time. Mm-hmm. Every brick that is placed to build that wall will keep your spouse out of your heart. And the whole idea of oneness is to, um, to understand each other and to know each other intimately, and you can't do that unless you bring those walls down. So this picture of taking these bricks down from these walls in your heart and building a bridge to um, close that gap and to um, allow uh, connectedness, right. bring you guys together.
0: Which could take a lifetime to break mm-hmm. those walls down, but through the Holy Spirit could happen overnight. True. So we just, we encourage you guys in your marriage to take up that calling of trust and trusting God with your spouse and your marriage and Seeking His Word on how you should live and how you should be and how you should act towards each other and towards outsiders, and and walk in that, Mm -hmm. and you'll see what will happen. Mm -hmm. You'll see like what we have experienced is freedom. Yeah, freedom from the bondages of our own desires, our own misunderstandings, our own
1: sin. Sin,
0: (laughs) which brings us to the fifth calling for your marriage, and it is purity. In Hebrews 13, verse four, it says, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. I did not do this. I totally broke unity with my wife often. Uh, I, was, I had dealt with pornography my entire life. I thought marriage would fix it and it didn't, of course. Um, I'm sure a lot of you out there that are watching this could understand this, uh, but I walked actually worse in it during the first few years of our marriage. And that by itself broke unity, spiritually unprotected you mm-hmm. and us, mm-hmm. um, brought in all sorts of filth into our home, brought in filth into my mind, uh, made me see my wife in a, in a broken way. It encouraged you to have lack of trust with me right, rightfully it, it made it hard for you to forgive me rightfully.
1: It made me not want to be with you. It made you, you not want to pray with me. You, so you
0: all know. of the other things that we've been talking about that are callings in our life, my daily decisions hindered from making it easy and possible for us to do. That doesn't mean that they're not calling still for us, but my own impurity, my own walking in filth, my porn addiction...
1: Hindered all those other callings. Hindered
0: all of those other callings. Which when we're walking in that sort of sin, and I know there's a lot of marriages watching this that are, that are dealing with that, either both mm-hmm. or one of the, mm-hmm. the spouses yeah. is dealing with pornography on a daily basis. It's in walking in this unrepentant sin. And it literally is going to not just bring death to your home because but, but the Bible tells us that our sin will find us out and sin leads to death when it's full grown. And we, were, we had spiritual death in our marriage. Praise God that he was patient with us and kind to us and and extended grace and mercy and i just always think about his patience because of how long i was walking in that Mm -hmm. and how he didn't just like destroy us Mm -hmm. because he totally could have and it almost did destroy our marriage but purity and walking in all these other things make our marriages into a ministry Mm -hmm. but when we're not walking in purity we have zero authority I had no authority to leave my wife. I had no authority to leave myself. I couldn't sit with another brother in Christ and say, hey, let me encourage you, let me walk you through this, because I was completely walking in unrepentant sin. I thought I was repenting, but the fact that I just kept going back to it without having an actual change in my heart, without having an actual understanding of what I was um, saying yes to, I was completely destroying our marriage. And that is a calling for your marriage as much as it's a calling for our marriage. This isn't unique to some marriages. Your marriage is called to purity, husband and wife. So I'm talking about my own impurity that I struggled with with pornography on the internet. What areas of, of purity did you struggle with that you didn't recognize in the time? And to be honest, I wasn't even able to bring up to you because of my own sin,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I was able to bring up to you after I started walking in purity.
1: Um, well, the first thing I want to just um, share very vulnerably is that I also had my own struggle with pornography for a season, and I'm, I'm sharing that because I know that there's wives listening, and it can be so hard to confront and admit that you're wrestling with this, and once you, once you confess that sin and repent of it, you will find so much freedom, and so you need to, you need to deal with it, but um, one of the other major um, impurities in my life was hiding the fact that I had a problem with food and using it whenever I was emotional, whenever I felt down or defeated, whenever I had a craving, like I was so selfish with my, with my desires for it and um, used it as a crutch. Anytime we were facing discord or disunity, I went to sugar, you know, anything that would make mm-hmm. me feel better. And, um, and I knew that I was living in an unhealthy way. Um, and I kept that from you because I didn't want you to Point the finger at me, or or mm-hmm. challenge me, or keep me accountable in any way.
0: Well, and you thought I didn't have a right to anyway. Yeah, when you walking. did try
1: and step in and encourage me to be healthy, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let you.
0: Mm-hmm. You'd use my sin as an excuse for your own.
1: Right. Yeah. So that was this crazy cycle in itself of, um, yeah, uh, not being able to walk in the freedom that Christ gave both of us because we are stuck in... Impurity. Impurity.
0: Yeah. So the fifth calling for your marriage is to walk in purity. And if you are struggling, or I don't even want to say struggling, if you're in um, these uh, these pro- these problems, these sins, addictions to pornography, eating habits, things that you haven't submitted to the Lord and you're holding on to and saying, this is mine, uh, you need to repent today and walk in the freedom that Galatians 5.1 tells us we have. For freedom, Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. If you have the Holy Spirit living in you... You have the power to walk in freedom and purity.
1: And as you're evaluating your life, I would also suggest that, you know, maybe it's not pornography. Maybe it's not food, but maybe it's music. Maybe it's what mm-hmm. you're reading. Maybe it's the, yeah, maybe the, you love
0: romance novels Yeah, and you just, you, you dwell on those and you read them often. And
1: maybe it's other types of websites that you're, you're viewing online, or maybe it's a bad shopping habit. There's so many different mm-hmm. ways that we can live impure lives, and God calls us to a higher standard than that, mm-hmm. and it's for the protection of our hearts, for the protection of our marriages, for the protection of our families, that we live mm-hmm. pure lives.
0: And in doing so, it makes our marriages ha- be able to walk in the higher calling that our marriages have, which is ministering to the world, which yep. is doing the will of the Father. And when we aren't walking pure, we just, we're, we're missing it. Mm-hmm. We, we cannot do that, it's the plank eye yeah. effect. We, the, the Bible doesn't say um, not to go take the speck out of your brother's eye. It says you can't see the speck in their eye clearly because we have a plank in our own. Mm-hmm. So the, eye is, the idea is that we need to remove that plank. We need to be walking in period. We need to repent of our sin and accept the freedom that Christ has given us and the authority and power that he's put in us. Um, so let's move on to the, the, the last, last one. one. And this is a fun one for us, Um, but it's also a hard one.
1: It was a hard one for me. And and this isn't
0: an extensive list of all the, the callings that every Christian marriage has, but these are the six that we chose for this podcast, this video. And so what's the sixth one?
1: So the sixth one is generosity. And I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. And it says, the point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver.
0: Hmm. So what'd you have to say about that in our marriage?
1: Well, I wanna be honest with them and and say that in the beginning of our marriage, I fought generosity, and I I didn't realize that I was fighting it. I didn't know that I wasn't a generous person. But yeah, when I
0: said I wanted to start, you know, giving to our church or um, to some nonprofits, what what you what was your answer?
1: So I um, I I thought that that by giving of my time was enough. I, right. I really believe that. And I remember you
0: were telling me, you were like, I don't have, why do we have to give our money? Like, what, we give our time. Because we volunteered a lot at the different churches we were a part of. and
1: We also um, didn't have very high paying jobs. And what we did have, you know, went to um, our living situation. And I never. And debt. We were getting out debt. of debt at the time. And I just, I never felt like we had enough. And so to give away the little bit that we had was really frustrating to me. And I didn't understand why why it was of importance.
0: Especially when we didn't have the things that a lot of our friends and married couples had. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have our own home. Uh, we only had one car. We didn't have... When we one,
1: did have an apartment, I remember going down to the thrift store to get a can opener or whatever right. little thing that we needed to be able to... And we were doing all that like, for
0: the purpose of getting out of debt. Mm-hmm. But in our mode of getting out of debt, I believed what the scripture said about generosity and giving. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to walk in obedience to that. So even though we were trying to get out of debt, we are like, we're also going to give to... To give to the to what God's doing,
1: and I will um, say that this is a huge testimony to uh, God's way of submission. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. as your wife, I submitted to you in this um, in this call of generosity, and it actually changed me. It changed my heart. It changed my perspective and my view. Um, At first, it was really challenging for me, and I complained, and I do feel bad about that still. But over time, I saw I saw this verse come to life. That when you you sow bountifully you reap bountifully and I saw it even in our own marriage the the times that you were generous with me whether it was with your time or your resources or with Mm. gifts I would want I would feel I would feel you know something in my heart to want to do it back so yeah I even saw that come alive in our own marriage but also out you know in our other relationships
0: and this calling for your marriage of being generous um there's not a dollar amount on this this is not a like you have to give this amount of money all the time the the new testament specifically is very clear that god wants all of it mm-hmm. he wants to know that our hands are open and that whatever he puts in he can also take out and so this isn't a prosperity gospel of like hey, if you put money in the basket you money's going to come right back out to you sometimes that happens but in many ways the 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 blessing that we've gotten from walking in generosity just in every aspect of our life is having a healthy perspective on money uh we don't crave money uh we don't crave more money we don't seek wealth
1: really i mean
0: mean, even things yeah we we see things as useful objects we don't see them as things that are going to fulfill us we man the, the amount of things that god's been able to do just through our little bit of generosity in other marriages' lives and Mm -hmm. other people's lives around the world has been a huge testimony to God's goodness in our life. And so what happens is God blesses us because we're all blessed. We're like, everyone's blessed, right? It's just just Jesus Christ alone. He's the best gift anyone's ever been given. But even like just in our day-to-day life, the things that we have, recognizing that they're not ours, that they're used for his kingdom. So in your marriage, the calling of generosity Are you being generous with your home? Are you being generous with your cars, with your finances, with your time? Are you walking in a marriage, in a a level of generosity where you just trust God and say, okay, Lord, we're open to what you have for us and we're gonna do it. We don't know what that looks like means, but we're gonna say, Lord, this is your money. Mm -hmm. How do you want us to use it? Do you have someone that needs help in the church that you want us to, to bless? You know, is it $5 to help someone with, you know, a meal? Is it $20 for gas for someone? Is it $100 to a missionary? Like, it it could be anything.
1: And when you submit your heart to God in prayer and you tell him, I'm yours and everything I have is yours, you will hear him speak to you as Mm -hmm. far as that, that tugging on your heart to give in those divine moments where someone else is in need, he'll show you.
0: Yeah, and he, he does it all the time, and that's where our hearts are at. Mm-hmm. Okay, Lord, what do you have next for us? We, we actually start the year off every year. <laughs> God, how, how do you want to use us this year financially?
1: Yeah, um, it is a part of our goal yeah. setting.
0: So we hope you enjoyed these six callings that the Lord has for your marriage. Uh, we try and walk in, walk in these callings ourselves, and we hope that by you walking in these and, and chasing after these biblical concepts and, and callings for your marriage— that you'll be led towards God's greater calling for your marriage, whatever that may be, and that your eyes would be open and that your heart would be open mm-hmm. into receiving what he has for you as individuals in your marriage and as a unit, um, as, a, as, a, as a whole.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If you enjoyed this video, please hit the subscribe button and also hit the bell next to the subscribe button so you get notifications when we post new videos.
1: Also, leave a comment if there are other callings that God has for Christian marriages. We'd love to um, be encouraged by that and see more.
0: See you later. Did you enjoy today's show? Find many more encouraging stories and resources at marriageaftergod.com and let us help you cultivate an extraordinary marriage. Hey, Marriage After God friends. Thank you for your continued faithfulness in listening each and every week. Jennifer and I have often shared with you about how important prayer is in the life of a believer. It's so important, in fact, that we're told this in 1 Thessalonians, rejoice always, Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It is God's will for us to pray, and we want to inspire you to begin praying for your spouse and marriage every day. This world hates marriage, and so does our enemy, because he knows the power that your marriage is meant to have in this world. He knows that if you and your spouse are praying and chasing boldly after God together, that the impact Christ will have in and through you will be powerful. So we need to be praying more than ever before. Our heart is to encourage you along with everyone who listens to this show to be praying for your spouses and your marriages, to be strengthened, renewed, healed, prepared, and empowered to do the ministry that God has for you to do in this world together. So Jennifer and I would love to invite you to join the thousands of other couples in taking our 31-day Marriage Prayer Challenge. This is c- a completely free and fun way to build a habit of prayer in your marriage. All you have to do to join is visit marriageprayerchallenge.com and fill out the registration form. Once you do that, you will begin to receive an email every day from us during the 31 days to not only remind you to pray for your spouse, but we'll also give you various topics and prompts to help you know what to pray for. We dare your marriage to start praying like never before. Start the challenge today at marriageprayerchallenge.com.